This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. Today's episode features an interview with Judd McCrill, CMO of the Carson Group. On this episode, Judd talks about marketing in the financial services industry, how theology school prepared him for a career in marketing, his best CMO advice, and much more. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And on the other line, Judd, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Yeah, we are excited to talk to you today about all things your background. We're going to do a little bit of uh, avoiding the iceberg and how to avoid having movies made about you with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. So all that coming up soon. But first, how'd you get into marketing? Oh, man, I think I got into marketing through being in crappy little garage bands. I wasn't ever, I don't think I was ever very focused on being a good musician or being disciplined with it, but I really loved making the posters and the t-shirts and the website. And, you know, one thing led to another and I found out that I could actually do that for a job. And, uh, and here we are. That's pretty great. Not a lot of people get their start from the, uh, from the old garage band. So you've been a CMO and CEO multiple times now. What was the reason that you were excited to work for Carson Group? Oh, man, I think, well, first of all, wasn't, I didn't have any desire to not be a CEO. I really loved running a small business. There, there are a lot of, you know, really fun things that come with running your own business. But there's also, also a lot of like, uh, this kind of sucks, being your own HR department, <laughs> doing all of that stuff. It's just, it's not, it's not the thing that everybody wants to get into business to do. But when they approached us around a year ago, we were, we were just happily outgrowing our business and um, they came to us with, with really the trajectory of what they're doing and what the mission is to, to really help transform a lot of this whole industry, which is independent financial advice and wealth management. And we got to see the opportunity to tuck in here and really help them go further and faster and the roots of the tree that they've been growing to really take those deeper and to do more and more meaningful full marketing for them, uh, for their corporate brand, and for all the, the advisors that, that uh, leverage their services for their own business. And I can explain any of that in depth. I know financial is a little bit murky uh, for people that aren't in it. Yeah, would love to learn more about the ecosystem, you know, buying personas, what the scope of your role is as CMO. For sure. So with Carson, we have a few different businesses. The company was started in 1983 as an independent advisory firm by our founder, Ron Carson. He started it as uh, selling insurance out of his dorm room in undergrad. And then that led to a successful advisory business. But in 1993, he kept getting asked by other advisors who would see his success and say, hey, Ron, can you coach me on this or that and help me be more successful and learn from you? And he said, sure. Why don't you come to this event? And it's going to cost X to attend. And in 93, that, that essentially birthed our coaching business. And so today we coach over 1,280 firms uh, around the U.S. and Canada. 
they use different different levels of our coaching uh, from just content we provide them to executive business coaches that come alongside them. And then about 2011, 2012, we ultimately created a partnership business that allows advisors to really partner with our core entity for investments, for marketing, for compliance, for all the key things that they need to be successful and the things that really keep them from being completely present with their clients. So those firms can leverage Carson for, for just you know, really making their life simpler. And, and we really find three different personas for that, that partner uh, that works with us. One, it's somebody that really just wants a simpler life. They're tired of trying to do it all on their own. Uh, they'd really like to be able to come alongside somebody that can really take off those burdens that keep them from being, being present with their client. Two, it's a lot of advisors, especially older ones, haven't really built out a plan B. They might serve several hundred families, but they haven't necessarily thought about, if I get hit by the proverbial bus, what happens to my clients? And so we come, in, come alongside and help give them that plan and that partner that will help carry their business forward. And third, one of the things that Carson's really been known for is just growth, helping advisors really grow, really focus on marketing, uh, really be able to be uh, good communicators in their community. And, and so they'll come to us as, as a growth engine to help them grow faster and farther. So you started the role as CMO. So you were acquired, your company was acquired, right? Mineral Interactive? Yeah, so we required end of last summer or uh, middle of summer, I guess, um, to and join them. And so I brought over a 12-person agency inside of a 17-person department here at Carson already. So we brought, brought people and cultures together, and that was a super big challenge um, and really got to work right away on, on how do we take what we have today, what's been working, what hasn't, uh, and get it pointed all in the right direction. Yeah, what was that like? I mean, I'd imagine that, you know, going from agency world to operator role was pretty challenging. Definitely. And uh, I think the big thing is that, you know, it was really, if we think about it, my, the, one, the one key thing here is that um, my business partner, Kim, who's also my spouse, we co-founded the business together. And through this whole process, we were figuring out how both of our roles are going to work, especially inside of this organization because to a large extent like she's equal to me like we, we think about things in a very complimentary manner in terms of like I don't know if you guys are familiar with Gina Wickman and traction but um, a number of people in our industry are using traction and people all around the, the world are, are implementing traction but at the end of the day the philosophy of that is like healthy organizations have defined roles of an integrator the person that's really making sure that everything happens well and then the visionary that's out there thinking uh, and dreaming and helping to install a vision that will come back inside the organization. So for Kim and I's relationship, we've really mirrored that well. She's the integrator that makes me successful, and I help to steer the ship and, and be out there and be a good dreamer. And if I were to be the integrator, I'd do a poor job. And if she were to be a visionary, she wouldn't be as vision-filled as I am. And so it complements each other really well. And so it's actually something we've adopted here at Carson as well, just throughout our organization. But for us, that was really important. And to figure out how that identity transcended into this organization was pretty tricky. And eventually, we, I think we kind of found that. But it took us a few months to just feel it all out and figure out who does what, how do we build an org chart that complements the business model that existed today, but also these 12 people that I, I love and you know, had brought in in my agency business and, and were super talented. And so we were able to build a, a common org chart that worked really well. 
and it's always kind of, you know, it, it's organic. It, it moves and breathes and <laughs> does different things all the time, but we feel happy with, with where it's at. And, and then the other thing that we did that was really key, and I'd recommend this to anybody, even maybe before you, you sell your business, uh, especially in this scenario where it's kind of, you know, some, it's kind of an aqua hire, but it was also, we had some, some IP with it as well that we built. And uh, so it was a little bit different, but is to, to really document a clear plan and a path that you're going to execute uh, for both your leadership that comes over with you and the leadership that existed prior. So everybody's on the same page with the shared vision. And we did that with, uh, with Ron, the founder of Carson. And that was really helpful because uh, we sat down and we said, Ron, you know, the brand you have today, it really isn't going to carry you forward. It's confusing. There's no you know, visual, visual identity of it. It wasn't pleasing. Um, we can do so much better. We can make this cleaner. We can then unify essentially four brands uh, because we have the coaching, the wealth, and the partnership business. But in addition, we also have a national trade show, which we just finished up this past week in Chicago called Excel with two L's. And so we needed to unify all that. And, uh, and so that, that helped us give us give the first initial to-do list. Like, here's what we're going to do. And then how do, we, how do we go further within our personas? How do we help simplify all the, the inroads to each of the brands? Uh, so it's, it's all underway now. And we're pleased that we came up with a plan and we were able to figure it out. But it was a challenge to get to this place. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty insightful. I mean, I think an interesting point on, the, on traction, which, by the way, quick side note, I didn't realize that there were two books traction there's traction get a grip on your business and then traction how any startup can achieve uh whichever and i've i've read the one that was written by uh just marriage not not the other one so that's why i was like i was like man this sounds a little different from what i heard (laughs) but they're they're both very good yeah like i actually have i have the gabriel weinberg version and it's really good like if you're starting a business especially SaaS, read that book it is it's tremendous um, but if you're getting organized as well, like I've, I've worked with firms that are starting up in our space and they started with traction because they'd left another firm and, Hey, we're going to break away, do our own thing. And they started with traction, the, the Gina Wickman book. And I can see them a year and a half later and they're so, they're like years more advanced than they would have been if they were just figuring out and saying, you know, just, just doing one thing at a time. It really, it really cemented their vision and their path. Yeah. It's really interesting. Well, we'll link up both. Because I, I remember, uh, I remember reading Traction a number of years ago, and just being like blown away. Oh, a great, there's a great, uh, I think it's like a webcast or something with, with the author of of Traction with Gabriel Weinberg and um, and then Eric Reese, where they talk about mm-hmm. basically where lean startup ends and Traction begins. It's like a phenomenal. We'll try to find that too. Producer Ben That's is cool. on it, but it's a Thanks, great. Awesome. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll link that up. So you've written about avoiding the iceberg you know specifically you know not having movies made about you with leonardo dicaprio because uh we've all seen what that looks like can you share like why you why you wrote that why you think that um you know i think that it really is it really is about process and and really not thinking about you know one point of something you know, one, one single interaction, but, but the whole of, of everything and, and really just trying to think deeply about all the interactions you have with somebody and as, as a full spectrum. And, 
you know, the thing, the thing that I see is in this space in particular, it is such a, a, it's almost like going back in a time machine guys. And, and like, you know, if I go back 48 months ago and what the world was like, um, that's financial services today. And so a lot of times when people are doing like more modern Legion, things like that, like people won't believe it. You know, they, they're not willing to invest in that. I've had a lot of people where we do a lot of lead gen for consumer marketing and they're like, well, yeah, that's fine. It's a contact, but I'm not going to nurture that. I'm not going to spend the time with it. And, and so it's, it's about marrying your process that you have. Like, how do I spend time with Ian, if you introduce me to one of your family members that is, you know, they have a million dollars, they're not sure how they're going to, what they're going to do with it, how it's going to impact their taxes, how it's going to impact their kids' college savings, and they just want to plan. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to inter- introduce you to the right advisor to come alongside you based on where you live or, or what their interests are, what their beliefs are. But whether I do that digitally, uh, that person fills out a form, or whether that happens through interpersonal relationship, we need to still follow a core process and really spend time to, to walk through that sort of thing. So that, that's what I've seen in terms of the two spectrums is either people believe in one tactic only to do this or people believe it just should be completely, you know, the one tactic being completely manual, drag across the line, spend every ounce of time to do it or online where it just should, should sign itself up. Like we have to, we can't be on either side. We need to be in the middle. We need to be willing to marry technology with interaction but also have a, a bias toward being willing to spend the maximum amount of time we need to. Because at the end of the day, uh, in my industry in particular, which is something I love about it, it's a trust industry. And we're asking families to trust. We have over 26,000 families that we get the honor to serve every day. We're asking them to trust us that we're going to do what's in their best interests and we're going to do the work and the research and spend the time to really help guide them in the right path. And so we need to be willing to play a really long game. Uh, but use technology to make that game as fun for them as possible. Make it as easy as, as possible for them. And I wrote this thing, uh, this uh, Leo DiCaprio piece a long time ago. So that hopefully that makes sense with kind of the thesis of what I was thinking that moment uh, when I was either out for a walk or <laughs> I'm not sure what I was doing that day. But, um, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, and you talked about this idea of, uh, you know, chicken dinners versus, you know, leads and how both those ideas are dangerous. And I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it. What what were you thinking there with like, you know, in-person marketing and chicken dinners versus online leads? Or is there a way, you know, we talk a lot on this show about customer experience and customer Mm -hmm. journey rather than kind of that traditional just, you know, let's shove leads in and, and score them and then we're good to go. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think if you look at the evolution of the industry that I'm in, a lot of it came from educational seminars and things like that where, and I don't know if you guys have gotten these personally, but you'll get like a postcard in the mail to say, Hey, I'm going to invite you and a plus one to come have a steak dinner and learn about, you know, Roth IRAs or social security or taxes in your business or in your personal life. And those things can be effective. They also fit into like a very specific stereotype of like, I'm coming here to be pitched something, but I'm also going to get, you know, $40 steak dinner in return. So I, I know what I'm signing up for. And those, those can turn into success. I mean, I know people that have success with those sorts of uh, interactions, but at the other end of it, 
Um, we have what's the kind of emerging frontier of, of marketing. You have companies out there like a Betterment and even personal capital is kind of a nice hybrid of this. But um, you have the robo digital advisors that are able to bring in and solicit business through their, their web presence. And it's something that we've built and do for Carson, uh, for our, our partners, we're able to bring in. I think last year we brought in around 600 million new business just through like one digital tool, 600 million in assets that are now managed by our advisors. It really is a, a, a mix in the middle. Like, you know, you have, you have a person, whether they're in person with you having a dinner or you have a person, whether they're, you know, out at the golf course and a buddy just brings up a topic, they get online really quick, find something, fill out a form and start down a road. Like they're all people. And for me, a core marketing philosophy is that people are people are people. Like everything has to be about individuals and we have to take the time and humanize every interaction because they're all unique. As much as you know, we want to put people in personas and have like a defined avatar and based on that avatar, here's the buyer's journey that we want to have. We still have to like take the time and acknowledge who these people are because every situation you come across is going to be subtly unique. Yes, you're going to have common things like, oh, when I have a 59 and a half year old couple, they're going to have this sort of scenario related to social security planning. You know, odds are I'm going to be able to add value there immediately, but they're probably going to have a unique family. They're going to live in a unique place, have a unique tax scenario, maybe a business they own. There's all sorts of scenarios. They might have specific beliefs um, that I need to recognize. So for me, it's, it's all about that, the human in the middle and making sure that they're not forsaken at all, um, that we're not leaning one way or the other too much, that we're just leaning on the client and, and into that relationship and giving a ton of value as business people, as marketers, as salespeople, as financial advisors or whatever it be. I want to switch into some of the campaigns that you've done in your career. Do you have a favorite campaign that you've done either in this role or in previous ones? Yeah, I don't know if I have a specific campaign. I think a lot of the campaign, a lot of the things that I've appreciated most are really the brand evolutions we've been able to build. And that's taking somebody from more of a, a stodgy, sedentary sort of brand to something that's more vibrant, that's something that's more personal and more approachable. I think those are the things that I really enjoy most because the campaigns feel a little bit more temporary and ultimately they'll just continue to evolve the same narrative. But generally the things that I've appreciated most are where we really help lean into that second person pronoun, that direct to the consumer, whether it's B2B or B2C, really speak directly to them and really make every bit of the buyer's journey, every bit of the content, and even every bit of the offer all for them uh, so that they can properly engage, understand exactly where they fit in the whole scheme of things. And then we really then, personalize the business and humanize the business uh, that's seeking to seeking to serve them. So I just think that in my space in particular, it's something that's very absent. We really like to camp on all of our certifications and, and the amount of money that we manage or the number of uh, specific certified individuals that we, we have or the awards we've won in the past or recognition we've won in the past. But at the end of the day, it really needs to be dialed in on the needs of the investor or the, the business opportunity so we can, we can be effective there. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. What about one of your least favorite campaigns that you've ever done or integrations? <laughs> um, I mean, if you're looking at the long tail here, 
Uh, what are some stuff that you've seen in your career? And you can anonymize the innocent that hasn't worked <laughs> for those long-term integrations. I think a lot of times it's when we think too big. Um, when we want to have a campaign to, to reach a specific narrow market, I think everybody has this to some extent. Like, hey, I want to reach this sort of unique scenario. And this will be a request from a sales team or an executive. But the, the thing that you have to do is you have to like, you know, like an Eric Reese sort of thing. What's your lean startup campaign? It really is like, I think the best use of my time at the end of the day, having done these a number of times is to get on the phone and like sell it myself. Like I'm going to call this person. I'm going to learn this scenario. I'm going to get into that research before I write a campaign, before I even write any copy and really, and really get immersed in it and then think back and, and find out how I can then think about that thing, that campaign, that idea, that offer in a much more um, in-depth way, a much more detailed, meaningful way. And interviewing people up front before we get too, too into things, it's, it's me, it's an imperative. And um, I find a lot of times where there's this like, there's this disconnect between sales and marketing where sales really wants marketing to go out and set up that, that lead. But, and then marketing isn't necessarily willing to jump in and ride shotgun with sales, but as much as, as good marketers can start to think about themselves just as a salesperson with a different skill set, um, that's where magic happens. And, and for me, I love to be involved in the sales process. I love to spend time with our sales teams um, and really get into the weeds on, on what are the unique things that you're talking about? How are you able to translate our offer to their, their problem? And that's where, that's where magic happens. But if, if we think too big, too fast, we lose. And so just slowing down and spending the time, uh, that's where we correct those potentially bad campaigns. What do you think the future holds for personalization, especially in an industry like yours where each touch in the, in the process can be so personalized, can be hyper-personalized, and now with technology at scale, it's uh, you know, something that's very realistic. I think the future is personalized as much as you can be. And that's, that's, it's really exciting because we get to think about more tangible marketing as well. Um, I get somebody inside of a funnel, I can then hit them with a, you know, some sort of tangible thing I could mail to them or different ways I can interact with them or, or just knowing more of their unique need. I can then go more and more narrow uh, in terms of how I then better personalize their sales journey. Um, I think that's, that's the magic because ultimately people come to us with all unique needs. And if we aren't speaking to those needs as effectively and efficiently as possible, you know, we're, we're not going to win as, as well. But I think there's a great way for us to better, better partner our services through personalization. And, and I think that the buyer, the consumer, or the business owner in my case, like they're warming up to personalization. I think it used to be people felt creeped out about it. Now I think they feel convenienced by it. And obviously there's, there are places where you can overreach and use too much data, but I think it's a healthy balance of what, what's effective and, and what's useful that we should, be, we should be investing in. We should be focused on and researching. Are there any like particular technologies or things in marketing that you're really excited about um, for the future? Well, I think there's definitely a lot of great things happening in conversational marketing. You see from Intercom and Drift and people like that, what's, totally what's happening right. there. It's helpful. It's useful. It, it totally changes up funnels, even from, you know, just various tools like account-based marketing. I think that that's going to be really useful tools like outreach 
that allow sales teams to just be more effective to measure all their different their different steps. Sales tools like Gong and Chorus, I think those are those are really helpful um, to me. I, I think that whenever you can get more analysis on on what you do, um, it's it's always going to be better. And and really to have that accountability inside of your organization, whether you're a marketer, or a salesperson, or a manager inside of that spectrum, I think that's that's really helpful. But at the end of the day. I'm able to, to tailor the buyer's journey based on, on needs and scenarios that, that are mapped out. And I'm able to then, as a marketer, have more analysis on that. That's, that's really, really wonderful. And so I see, I see that as the future. And it will go, it'll go further. I mean, those tools are only going as far as the consumer can, stretch, can be comfortable with them. But it'll be fun to see how that works and how you know, microbots and things like that inside of those things were, become more and more useful and effective. And, even tools like using MixMax for meeting scheduling. I mean, it's so magical when you think about 10 years ago <laughs> and how, how hard it is to schedule a meeting and the back and forth and the availability of calendar sharing, like, you know, be able to provide your calendar. Somebody just chooses a time and it's done. Like, that's pretty awesome, guys. I, I think that, I think that that's, that's only just the beginning of, of how convenient the technology is going to make everything. Yeah, I totally agree. I think especially with, I mean, the financial industry and transparency and all of these tools that allow us to see ourselves better, to market to people better, to figure out what they actually need, I think is really exciting. Specifically around the financial industry, how do you see um, technology playing a role in, in how you market to people? Well, hopefully, hopefully the technology is there to help people become more financially literate. It's a major issue. I mean, I think that the fact is like the general public is massively undereducated when it comes to financial, whether that's navigating their checkbook, which nobody has a checkbook, but you know what I mean? Like they're, they're banking their personal behavioral finance to their investments or retirement to savings, to paying off college loans. I mean, it's, we're, we're massively underdeveloped in that area. You know, we, we get to work with people that have quite a bit of money, but the reality is the next generation is out there and they're, they're learning more rapidly. They're more curious in some ways. And so we want to make sure that we are available and we're educating, we're providing a lot of value. And as the evolution of my industry is hopefully happening, I, I see it happening. I'm really, I'm really optimistic. You know, we need to be there as, as educators first, um, really providing insight and value and, and unbiased guidance I'm not trying to sell some sort of product. I advocate that people only work with a fee-only financial advisor, uh, not a broker, not somebody that's going to make a commission on selling them some sort of annuity or product, but somebody that's invested in their long-term success and that's working as a fiduciary on their, in their best interests. If we're helping those people be good educators, I think that's going to be, that's going to be really exciting for, for where things are going. All right, let's get into the lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing automation with Pardot. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about marketing automation on the world's number one CRM, especially great for all those B2B marketers out there that are listening. Go check it out, pardot.com slash podcast. Fast and easy questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Can I say something about Pardot? Yeah, please do. So... Pardot, I think, is awesome. And right now, I'm not in Pardot. Uh, we're, in, we're in HubSpot. We're moving everything to Salesforce Marketing Cloud. 
But part of it has been so impactful for my past businesses or clients that I've worked with. And that life cycle or lifetime uh, chart that they have, this, they have this like really awesome just path to show you the life cycle journey of a lead and to watch that grow over time as you become more and more successful. Pardot is tremendous. And you haven't told me to say this stuff, but like I really am a big fan of Pardot, especially having used all the other tools out there. It is very, very effective and I, I swear by it. So anyway, for what it's worth, I know you weren't asking for that on the podcast today. Hey, organic plug. I, I'm here for it. I mean, we love, obviously we're biased. We love Pardot because they're awesome. And uh, yeah, that's exciting to hear. Thanks, Judd. Um, and I'm sure our good friends at Pardot are, are appreciative as well. Okay. Number one, are you ready? First question. Yep. What app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? <sighs> most fun is Notion. Ooh, that's good. Did we? I'd have to check. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if that episode is live yet, but we have Camille Ricketts coming uh coming out very soon for marketing trends. So she's uh, one of the brand new marketing leaders at Notion. Pretty exciting awesome. stuff. They're, it's so cool how much stuff they're putting into that app. It's awesome. What's your favorite vacation spot? Favorite vacation spot probably would be San Diego because it's. I have four kids. It's so kid-friendly. It's kind of like our second home. We spend a lot of time there. I'd say San Diego. Love San Diego. What a great place. Of all the places, I love the Bay Area the most in the world. It's where I grew up. But uh, San Diego has got to be a close second for just an amazing, incredible place with all the things you could want. It's lightning round. I'm not supposed to answer these. Um, <clears throat> what ad campaign have you seen recently that you're envious of? Man, I mean, I don't get to play in this space, but all the different stuff that Nike's done over the past year. Uh, with Colin Kaepernick and just how they've stuck out their neck in advocacy. I, I have so much respect for that. And it's just tremendous to see how much brand value that created. Um, so I, I would just, I would, it's probably a pretty common one, but I really think what they've done with, with Kaepernick has been tremendous. What about favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? Man, favorite podcasts. I really like the Entree Leadership podcast that's out there is that's super oh solid. yeah it's great i've listened yeah. to it for years they do a good job favorite book is i mean right now let's see i'm looking at my books i just actually went back to rework with jason freed and david hannemeyer hansen it's just like a good classic solid everybody should read book and it's just fun to go back to principles there they're like really awesome very digestible business proverbs that really help you kind of get your head out of the out of the weeds and, and lead better and think about things more sensibly. So I would, I would go for rework. It's one of my favorites. Also an all timer. Gosh, we've had some great book recommendations. We'll link the, these up in the bottom. What would be your best advice for a first time CMO? Man, get a plan right away. Um, it, it, you know, it doesn't have to be your forever plan, right? But, but take the time you have to think about, the firm you're joining as a client and, and really thinking about that, not in terms of like, this is your personal baby. You have to be able to separate that and really think about the, the opportunity as objectively as possible, survey all the different things you can do. And this is one thing I used to do with my agency is that my first step for every piece of new business was 
whatever it is they're coming to me with whatever business need they had, the chances are specific with the market I was in and, and I continue to be in uh, independent financial advice. Like I would I'd consult them. I'd say, Hey guys, let's get you together. All the key decision makers, let's audit everything you have to date, all your different marketing pieces, your collateral, your analytics, whatever it would be, the technology you have. And then let's sit down together and spend a day, get to know you and get you to have that conversation with each other, first of all, about really what your definition of success is. And then let's actually put a plan together based on that definition of what the strategic objectives are, what your kind of executive summary level is, and then what the tactical execution looks like. What does that mean for personnel, um, for your personnel then as a CMO? What does it mean for that? How your org chart really structures what your what your 18 month version of it is versus today, uh, getting that plan together to me, to me, that's invaluable. Like you have to do that. If nothing else, don't you don't even have to share with anybody else. But for me, I shared with the executive team and it really gave a lot of clarity because it helped them identify, Hey, our brand isn't what we want it to be. We need to make it simpler. We need to spend a lot of money to change that. But we also need to like, to just collectively embrace this because this is where we're going. It's going to be what helps separate it. And, I, and to me, I plan on doing it on a regular basis to continue to come back and refine that and have that critical path defined, not just for myself, but for all the leaders on my team, all the VPs that work with me to be able to have us all thinking about things from a shared vision. And, and that's been, that'd be my number one piece of advice for a, for a new CMO. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Man. What question? Oh, best experience in the Midwest. What is it? What is the best experience in the Midwest? So the Midwest, I'm admittedly not, I love the coast, I love the mountains, I love the ocean. But if you're in the Midwest, like I am, I'm based in Omaha, Nebraska currently. Nebraska football on a fall Saturday is one of the best experiences you can have. I'm a huge fan. It's almost, it's, it's like a special experience. So if you get a chance to do that on a fall afternoon and the weekend, take it. Um, it's a really tremendous experience. College football is my favorite thing. All my, of all my pastimes, aside from hanging out with my, my wife and my kids, I, I definitely think it's, uh, it's worthy of, uh, of time and attention. If you've never done it before, check it out. Chad, that's all we got for today. Anything else? Anything to plug? No, I think this is, uh, this is good. I mean, if you want to learn more about what we do at Carson, uh, you can go to carsongroup.com and you can reach out to me on Twitter. It's just Judd Mackerel, J-U-D-M-A-C-K-R-I-L-L. Happy to answer any questions. I want to be a service to people that are looking to grow in marketing and at any discipline uh, and happy to share my experiences and things I've learn from that hopefully I can save you some time and some agony <laughs> over. So feel free to reach out to me um, and I'm glad to help. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much. We appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing some thoughts with the listeners. You and I appreciate the opportunity. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction, automate engagement with each customer, and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com marketing.
you have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.